I never would have thought that my mission field would have been in the film industry. As much as I wanted to go to Africa and who knows, he might send me in there one day. I just know that I'm called, this This is my mission field. And, and we see incredible things. There was one gentleman who after the Black Summer bushfire crisis, he, had, he wouldn't play his instrument. He was 80 years old. He'd played instruments his whole life and it was his joy. But he was so traumatized because he'd stayed to fight his fire that he wouldn't play. And after the 45 minute interview that we conducted with him, it was just me and him having a yarn. He, he picked up his instrument for the first time in eight months and he played. And um, it was just beautiful. And it was off the back of asking him the same question that I ask every single person in every production we do. And the question is, what does hope mean to you? Welcome back to the podcast, guys, on Art Fans Today. Uh, we, we have an incredible in-depth and extended discussion around several different themes pertaining to the arts and to the kingdom. Uh, this amazing lengthy episode with Danielle McAlpine Johnson is going to discuss things around reconciliation, social justice, uh, production stories, miracle stories, and also delving into what is God's heart for the arts. So you're going to love it. Let me tell you a little bit about Danielle. Danielle McAlpine Johnson is an award-winning writer, director, producer, devoted to creating documentary, film, and television as a catalyst for change in the social justice landscape. Deeply passionate about highlighting issues of injustice and sharing stories of the human heart, Danielle has an innate ability to connect with people to draw out the unique heartbeat of every story. Along with her husband, singer-songwriter Chico Johnson, Danielle is the co-founder of Cheeky Mac Productions, with documentaries currently broadcasting on Network 10 Australia, Good TV, formerly known as ACC TV, Foxtel, Ozflix, New Faith Network, Netherlands, Virgin In-Flight Entertainment, OSN Middle East and North Africa, and Tanda TV, Kazakhstan. A proud mother of four beautiful children, Danielle and Chico continue the pursuit of truth and revelation through the arts whilst juggling family life. So let's go meet Danielle. Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Art Vance. This is just such a delight today. You get to hear straight from a director, writer, producer in the film industry here in Australia. We've been hearing from people from the States. We've been hearing from writers, from actors, from other parts of the world. And now we get to hear from the 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 land the homeland soil so today on the show we have danielle mcalpine johnson welcome danielle thank you so much for having me elliot you're, you're such a um a delight to speak to already prior to oh, the show thank you yeah i i'm super stoked i'm a big fan of your work and also my spirit leaps within me when i see the kinds of things you're doing with the lord in the film industry um so yeah i'm super excited about our conversation today Oh, me too. Definitely. <laughs> well, hey, could you just tell our viewers, uh, well, not our viewers, but our listeners, uh, who is Danielle McAlpine Johnson and give us a bit of a nutshell of what is in the life of Danielle, Jason and family. Okay. Well, um, I am a mother of four incredible children um, and there's quite an age gap between them. My oldest who I adopted, um, who's my husband's biological son, I adopted him when he was four. He's now 22. <laughs> so, um, and then my next one, River, he's uh, t- uh, 12. And my next one, Nevaeh, um, she's nearly 10. And then I have a six-month-old baby. So we've got um, quite a dynamic 
uh, happening there. And it's very, very much something that is at the forefront of our lives and and, and so important um, being parents and and being there for them. Uh, we, we've just recently moved down to the countryside, which is where I grew up. We spent 16 years living in, in the big city, in the big smoke Melbourne, and um, have recently moved back and are absolutely loving it. We spend our life full of adventure on the farm and near the beach and um, otherwise we're at home chilling or at church um, or watching 90s blockbusters. Yes. <laughs> Got my, my children <laughs> into that recently. So, um, and then, yeah, our mission field is is um, the entertainment industry. So I'm a filmmaker, um, obviously, and my husband is a singer-songwriter. So we, um, along with a lot of the documentaries we make, we also go into schools and, and teach children about identity and um, and living a purpose-driven life. So that's us in wow. a nutshell. <laughs> wow. Such a beautiful, uh, what do you say, um, when things are woven together so beautifully, like, you know, that's there's such a great blend of family and kingdom and destiny and arts. Um, yeah, super exciting. Um, so, hey, could you tell us a little bit about how did you break into or enter into the entertainment film industry um, and take us on a bit of a story journey there? Yeah, sure. Um, I grew up, uh, as I said, in the country on a small hobby farm and both of my parents were school teachers. So there was a huge emphasis on on reading books and um, and in, in the off time when we weren't reading books or at school or playing a a huge amount of sport um we were watching movies so so movies and books probably shaped my love for storytelling at a very very early age um and I just yeah I, I loved art um although I was very much um a, a sporty I guess you would in America you'd call me a jock <laughs> growing up and so I never really tapped into that artistic side so much through high school but my mum entered me into a modelling contest when I was 16 and I ended up coming second or something. And the network, the local network down here asked me to come and do a bunch of television commercials for them. So I ended up, that's where I kind of started um, at the age of 16 and did a bunch of really cheesy <laughs> regional <laughs> commercials that were all over Australia um, in the country. And, uh, and that, kind of sparked something like I was like oh wow all these wonderful actresses in these music videos I used to watch and in films like maybe I could have have a go and anyway I, I really wanted to pursue acting at the time and um, in, in year 12 coming towards the end my parents were like well you know you can't survive on the arts <laughs> being school teachers they were like we're, we're so supportive of you but can we send you to university and um and get a bachelor or a degree in something. And so I followed in their footsteps and, you know, they were paying. So I was like, heck yeah, why not? So I, <laughs> yeah. off I went to Melbourne and um, I studied a bachelor of education where I majored in outdoor education, uh, which kind of fulfilled that adventurous side of me. And I um, minored in English and literature and uh, drama, which fulfilled the artistic side. Um, wow. And from there, it's, I guess I, I need to share this story really quick for you, don't I? I um I Take your time. <laughs> I went through four years of university, and um, on the side of that, I pursued my acting and modelling career, and I did every Australian t TV show you could think of. I was in the background, so I started off as an extra. 
Um, and I started to become incredibly fascinated with the other side of the camera. And I landed um, a part in Neighbours, a small part in Neighbours, um, got asked back for a longer stint, but then headed to the Bahamas, which is where I met my now husband. Um, so that kind of fell through. Um, and upon returning, I got a job as a as a um, a shot list writer. So it was for a green screen studio. And you know how um, back in the day they had like green screens and you could, if, if you wanted a lady walking from A to Z down a mall, but you didn't have the budget, you would, you would go and purchase one of these green screen actresses. And so I used to write the shot lists for those. And so it was like bottom of the barrel um, job. <laughs> but I was like, oh my gosh, I've got a job at a small studio. And I just thought it was just the coolest thing ever. And Anyway, I was there. I ended up being with that company for eight and a half years and I worked my way from being a shot list writer up to senior producer. And over wow. that period of time, um, ended up writing, directing and producing a, a stack of national um, television commercials. Uh, and probably the the highlight of that part of the journey was working with Jean-Claude Van Damme on... Um, on his Australian TV commercial. It was the coolest day of my life. <laughs> One of, other than getting wow. married and having children, of course. <laughs> and me and meeting Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But I said cool. It, it, it was a very cool day. So yeah. um yeah, that's how I ended up in the entertainment industry. Wow, what an awesome adventure. So you've been fully immersed on both sides of the camera. Um, even long before it goes to camera in the writing space um, with the shot list writing, I just, I'm interested to know some of the details there. How much autonomy did you have with your imagination when you would read a script and then translate that into shot list? Was there any imagination involved in it at all? Or was it simply like, oh, you know, two plus two equals four? <laughs> two plus two equals four. It was yeah. quite a boring job and there was not a huge amount of creativity in it. But I got to see um, some of the uh, the outputs of, of those um, pieces. So I got to see how those pieces were inserted into television commercials or corporate videos or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like just yeah. watching that process and, um, you know, sometimes. Two plus two equals are really good looking for. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah so it yeah. was um small humble beginnings <laughs> wow that's amazing and so from from that time you founded your own company now you've got your own production company where, where um, did that where did that come into play from being senior senior um producer yeah um I'll have to go back a little bit um I think somewhere in there because I wasn't always a Christian. So mm. um, when I started off, although I knew God, um, I'd been raised at a Catholic school, but was my family wasn't um, religious in any way and they didn't have a relationship with Jesus um, in any way. But I knew God. I knew that there was a God. I knew he existed, but I didn't know Jesus or have um, a relationship with him. So Somewhere in the midst of all of that, probably halfway through my career at the studio, um, I was in the Bahamas with my husband and, um, yeah, I'd been through some pretty horrific um, situations and fell into quite a deep depression and the only way I could look was up and that's where I found Jesus. And um, and so prior to knowing Jesus, I actually wanted to be in horror films, which 
I, I find hilarious and wonderful um, the transformation that God can do in someone's heart. Um, and so back to your question, um, how, or oh, am I reading too far ahead? <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. No, I asked, um, I asked, that's fine. Production company. And I mean, it feeds yeah. into the whole asking around, you know, where did Jesus come into this space? Cause you, you, you met at some point. Yeah. So you could, yeah. Yeah. You can just go there. That'd be awesome. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess I can't get to your second question without going to this question. Yeah. So yeah, it all ties in, but it's the crossroads where I went from wanting to be in horror films um, and, you know, do the whole Hollywood thing to then going, oh my gosh, there is a God and people, souls are worth so much more than, um, you know, any Hollywood blockbuster. And it was just such a pivotal point in my life. And, um, um, yeah, I started to really strip back everything, everything that I'd ever thought of and believed of myself and, um, you know, a lot of insecurities that come along with being a model or a, um, a wannabe actress. Um, uh, there was there was a huge amount of stuff that I had to work through. Um, but like the enemy does, right when you're on the brink of breakthrough, I actually got an offer to be um, a lead in a, a low-budget horror film. So here I go, you know, throwing away my dream of wanting to be in horror films and giving my life to God and going, okay, God, we're going to do this. Like I'm so on board with you and I'm giving my life to you and I'm going to serve you in your kingdom for the arts. I just knew from a very early time in my walk that, that's what he was calling me to do. And um, and then along comes the enemy with this, you know, really enticing offer. And I was like, no. Nope. And I laid it down. You know, I always think about Moses with his staff. He he had to lay down the dream, lay, lay it down. And, and it wasn't until he laid it down and picked it back up, it had power. And so I laid it down. I was like, no, God, I trust you. But you know, when you're a young, young Christian, you're kind of a bit bold with what you ask of God. You're like, you, you negotiate with him. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to lay this down, you need to bring me an, a, a better opportunity and something where I can make, make a film for you is the exact words that I said, make a film for you. Anyway, I went to school the next week because I was still teaching at this point. And the teacher or the principal at the time came up to me and she said, oh, I've got a $20,000 budget for you. Would you like to make a film? <laughs> Wow. And so like, you know, for a young, oh, what would I have been? 20, uh, 23 year old wannabe filmmaker to be given a $20,000 budget to make a film with a bunch of really cool students who were all running away from school, wanting to be in a gang um, to now, <laughs> you know, wanting to do this film with me. It was the coolest experience. And to this day, I'm still in touch with those kids and it changed their life. Um, we made this really cool film about you know um a young boy that had come from Iraq because the school that I was teaching at at the time was in Broadmeadows was I was teaching year nine boys um some of the roughest kids you've ever met all in gangs from the Middle East all come from war-torn countries and uh, we just made this really cool film about their life and their experience assimilating into Australian culture and and bullying and it was really powerful and it, yeah, it was kind of the stepping stone wow. to where I am now. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So 
sorry, I haven't answered your question, have I? Um, I don't mind. Production I don't, company. I don't care. Yeah. It'll come because yeah. there's so much crossover. I'm just digesting how much crossover there is between, because I'm a teacher as well. I teach film and screen acting. I'm not going to go over like oh, what, wow. what I do because my audience has heard it like a hundred times. <laughs> but the amount of things that you're talking about, like, you know, even being offered a major role when Jesus had just asked you to lay it down. I went through that at 17. I was like with an agent and, and I said, Lord, my dream is to be on Home and Away. And, you know, he said to me one morning while I was praying in my room, Elliot, will you just lay down your agent? Like, um, you know, just lay it down for a season. I was like, yes, Lord, I just love you so much. Then the phone calls, it's my agent saying, casting director for Home and Away wants you. Can you please come in <laughs> for this for this guest star like opportunity? And yeah. I straight away, I was like, no, because I just had a conversation with Jesus and he said yeah. to lay it down. So I like joyfully <laughs> laid it down. And then I realized how upset that, you know, how upset my agent was as a result of that. Cause I told her, I want this, you know, and she's like, okay, well, I'll do my best to get that for you. Guys, I really hope you're enjoying season two of Art Vance. I've had so much enjoyment creating it. Can I ask you a favor to go over to Apple Podcasts and write a five-star review for us? It will help us reach more people as well. Could you make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel, Elliot Bonza? as well as subscribe to the podcast on Apple. I really appreciate it. We are called um, Cheeky Mac Productions. It's run by my beautiful husband and myself, and we've got a really awesome team under us that have been with us for quite some time now. Um, And our heart really is to share the heart of humanity through the documentary space Um, and, and yeah, share the, the, the stories of hope um, and very much through a, a lens of hope. Um, if, if you watch our programs, you, you'll get that sense of, even though we're shining a light on a lot of injustice and a lot of really heart-wrenching um, uh, material, it, it, there's, a, there's always a lens of hope there because we feel that's what God's called us to um, to deliver to our audience. So um, we've currently got, productions on um i think it's 36 countries in the middle east and africa um uh in the netherlands in australia uh and god's just opened up the most miraculous doors um at the most uncanny times uh for us and um there's some miracle stories there um yeah so you can watch uh the whole beyond the fire um series one, two, and three is on 10 play on channel 10. Um, mm. There's behind the sash on Foxtel on um, or good TV, um, which you can stream for free. Um, mm. There's the backpack on new faith network, which is in Australia and the Netherlands. Um, and um, oh, there's a couple on our website as well. Uh, CheekyMac.com. Um, yeah. So a couple of indigenous productions there. Um, that we've, um, I can probably share. I, one's been picked up for Channel Ten, and um, but the government's put a hold on it uh, because they were concerned that it was too provoking, thought provoking, okay. too yeah. Um, in regards to the indigenous, um, the voice that's currently going through Parliament and a few things. So, I'm wow. hoping that they will allow us to. Um, to go through with that because it, it needs to be shared on a wider platform. So, wow. It's so exciting. And that's, that's where I saw, you know, some of your work on, on your website, which, you know, 
it's not often you ha- you find a website that you can actually oh stream some of the content straight from that website and i really appreciated that because i was able to stay on the website for quite a while um oh. just checking out your work and and that was really really cool so guys please go to that that's cheekymac.com yep cheekymac.com go check it out guys it's really refreshing content and one of the themes i felt coming through your uh, the production content has just been this ministry of reconciliation. And I mean, you might want to just springboard straight into talking a bit about, you know, what, what is the heart behind what, you know, it's, it's not so much said or, you know, taught it's caught. And that's the thing about reconciliation is it's more of a fragrance than a bunch of articulated words. And that's what really came through and really left, left me in tears. So guys, you got to go watch it. Got to go see for yourself. It's one of those things, go taste and see. But maybe, Daniel, if you could just share a little bit around what the heart of reconciliation is behind, um, sure. yeah, the, yeah, the storytelling. Oh, thank thank you for saying that, Elliot. That's, that really warms my heart because it's something that's very close to both um, my husband and myself. Um, uh, my brother married an Indigenous woman, uh, Tasha. She's um, part of the Nunu tribe up in Beagle Bay, and she's the most extraordinary woman. She's just so humble and so beautiful. And um, although my husband isn't Indigenous, he's from the Bahamas. He is a, he is a black man, and I am raising um, uh, four four children of colour. And so that that um, spirit of reconciliation, I think, is is breathed every day in our life you know we I look at our children and I think they are the symbol of reconciliation black and white coming together and um and I ignorantly so had no clue what people of color went through until I married married my husband um and and it broke my heart and I I couldn't believe that that myself at certain points of my life had probably um ignorantly being racist at, at, at moments unaware. Um, and I think many of us white folk, we have no clue. Um, some of the things we say and do it's, it's very unconscious bias, but it's very real. And so that has, is kind of embedded in my heart, um, to fight against that and do it in a way that actually creates change. Cause I think, as you said, it's something that's caught. It is a fragrance. Like you say, there's a, it's a spirit of reconciliation. It's not something that, um, that you can teach someone. You have to experience it. You have to understand it at a very deep level. Um, and I think the only way to do that is really through connecting with God and, and sharing his heart in that space. And so, um, we we feel quite passionate about sharing that on screen because we believe in the power of media and the power of um of sharing transparently stories because it gives permission for others to open up and and feel feel the depths of their hearts that possibly they didn't know were there yeah no and it really comes through and i think you know it's such a it's such a refreshing thing to encounter because in media like the temptation is to really just um, settle with the charm and and camp out in in the glory of good craft, you know, because the good craft in and of itself is beautiful. Um, when things are produced well, it's really satisfying, and mm. you, it would be so tempting to make the substance all centric around that metric of what we can deliver, what we can produce, what we can create, and even a good story, to, you know, to, a story told well. Um, mm. But the fact that there's 
reinforced behind the curtain, so as to speak, is the very heart of God beating and pulsing behind every production to motivate people towards a heart for reconciliation and and promote um, the work of the spirit to bring transformation to roots in our nation um, and other nations is just, oh man, it's the eternal vision God has for entertainment. It's the eternal vision God has for film and media. So I just, um, yeah, I get so excited and, and um, yeah, thank you for sharing that. It's amazing. Um, So from where you stand as someone who walks with God and is building family and is a writer, producer, director, what do you see through the lens of God's heart? Um, what he is doing with storytellers right now in the film industry? Um, I'm really encouraged with productions such as uh, The Chosen um, or even going back, you know, a little bit, uh, The Passion of of Christ, um, Mel Gibson's production, like the quality of those productions are just through the roof. And um, I think for a long time, unfortunately, Christians haven't had the budgets that um, many of the Hollywood directors and producers or even here in Australia, um, the networks can provide. And so the quality that has been output is it just doesn't, it, it can't compare. So it, it it can't compete with what's out there. But I think when you see, have you, I'm sure you've watched The, the Chosen. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the quality and, and the story writing and um, just the, like you say, the spirit that comes out of those shows, um, it's just breathtaking. And so I'm really excited about Christians in the arts in, in this season because I think humanity is actually ready for um, a shift there's, you know, we've just been through these horrendous pandemics um, where people's hearts are just, you know, broken and, and there's so much pain and there's always been so much pain in the world. You don't have to look far to find it. But um, I just feel like there's a this is a season where God's using some of those um, really challenging situations to, to, to reach people who are just really broken and really hurting um, and whose hearts are somewhat softened towards him because they are so down and out. And that's where he found me. He, he found me when my heart was so broken and so, um, mm. so ready to be fixed. And so I'm excited for all artists um, across the spectrum in, in this season, because I really believe we have the power to reach people in a way that preachers can't or, or um, and, and not to say that they, you know, I love, I love preachers. i I would, I think it's the cream of the crop <laughs> to be able yeah, up there yeah. on stage pre- preaching, but, but I do feel there is definitely a place in his kingdom for the arts and, mm. um, and we have the potential to reach the lost in ways that um, traditional ministry doesn't. Yeah, absolutely. And let's talk about miracles in the marketplace. Cause you were just talking about how ministry uh, in the church is really important. And yes, preachers are very important but then again, a picture is worth a thousand words and you're creating motion pictures. So if you multiply that, that's incredible. But in that space of directing and filmmaking, Danielle, is there any miracle stories where you've seen God be God um, on a set or in a writer's room or, you know, in an editing space where you've seen God show up and do miracles that you'd be able to share with us? Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I've got so many. I could write a book on what God has done in our, um, 
in our productions, uh, in pre-productions, in in the middle of production, in post-production. Um, but a couple come to mind. And and speaking about finance, we were saying before that that a lot of Christian companies don't have the the backing, financial backing that a big studio or a big network production would. Therefore, the quality um, it just isn't there and it can't compete. Well, we saw the most incredible financial breakthrough through the pandemic, like in a time when our industry was literally in lockdown. Um, Those people that weren't in Melbourne during the pandemic probably don't understand how horrific it was for Melburnians. It was diabolical. And yet God showed up for us in such an extraordinary way over and over again. Um, And I only share this story to shed light and share glory to God, um, mm. not not in any way to say, oh, my gosh, look what happened to me because it's not about me. It's I, I want people to understand that this is how awesome my God is. <laughs> mm. Well, we we were in the middle of um, the pandemic and the, the industry was completely shut down. Like you were not allowed to, by law, film in Melbourne. And we had started a documentary just before the pandemic kicked in, so maybe a month before, and we'd only done a tiny little trailer and a bit of a pilot. And I'd put out this um, prospectus and a call for budget and a call to a network, and then it was just dead. I didn't hear from them forever, for about four months. And um, I was just, my husband and I were just like, what are we going to do? Like he 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 was on the brink of going into a, a, a year's schools program uh, where he was going to go into schools and teach um, through his music. And um, so that was going to be our finance for the year. And then the lockdown happened. And anyway, long story short, we prayed and prayed and prayed. My pastor called me and he said, um, he said, God's going to give you 300 grand for a production and I was just like that's just absurd it's not like that's just I've never seen that ever I've never heard of that and anyway um I was praying 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 and then a prophet from my church called and he said Danielle I know it's a really tough time but the Lord has told me to ask you for 300 dollars and I was like what is going on? I was like, how are you going to ask me for $300 when I'm like so broke and our family is struggling and we're in the middle of a pandemic and we've got no work. And then I just felt the spirit of the Lord um, just come upon me. And he said, he said it was something along the lines of obedience. And then he showed me a picture of on, it was like, I can't explain it really in the spirit. I saw it was like a leap over a log but that's not what it looked like but that's what I sensed it was like obedience in doing this is going to lead to the other side of this that's the only way I can explain it in human terms but I just knew I knew what God was saying and so I ended up giving this prophet $300 and we probably only had a grand in our bank account Mm. and um, I just trusted and literally the next day we had the network call and they said, we absolutely love this. We're going to um, pick this up and we're going to waiver the broadcast fees so you don't have to pay for the broadcast fees. Wow. Um, and, then this, and then the funding body called and gave us X amount of finance for the production. Another two networks, one called from the Netherlands and said that they wanted to purchase a previous show that we had created. And then Good TV, which used to be ACC TV, 
they called and or wrote an email and said that they wanted to purchase another show. And then we had like some rebate come back from something and all of that together equated to wow. what my pastor had told me. And it was exactly a thousand times more than I gave the profit. Yeah. Is that, hang on three, yeah, 300, three, I gave him 300. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. My math is atrocious at the moment. I don't teach math either. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. say at the moment, it's always atrocious, but extra at the moment with baby brain. Um, mm. But that's just to say, that's just to say wow. that God is extraordinary and he has a plan and a purpose for everyone's life, not just mine. And through that production, we saw the most incredible, incredible things take place. We saw people that were so broken after the Black Summer Bushfire crisis Um that were on the brink of suicide, that were families were breaking up. There were so many things. And we were able to go down legally um, down to Gippsland and film throughout the entire pandemic because we'd started wow. the pilot prior to the part pandemic. So there was a clause in the mm. film um, industry where if you had started a documentary, you were allowed to continue um, and they gave us working permits. So God not only gave wow. us the working permits, he gave us the network, he gave us the funding body and he gave us the story. And <laughs> the mission field was just, you know, I, I remember when I first came to God, I said, Lord, I just want to do missions for you. I just, and I, you know, I was talking about Africa and the indigenous communities and all of these things. And I never would have thought that my mission field would have been in the film industry but it is, mm. it, it, it's where, you know, as much as I wanted to go to Africa and who knows, he might send me in there one day. Um, I just know that I'm called this, this is my mission field. And, and we see incredible things. There was one gentleman who, after the black summer bushfire crisis, he had, he wouldn't play his instrument. He was 80 years old. He'd played instruments his whole life. And it was his joy. It was, it was the thing that made him most happy in life, but he was so traumatized because he'd stayed to fight his fire that he wouldn't play. And after the 45 minute interview that we conducted with him, it was just me and him having a yarn. He he picked up his instrument for the first time in eight months and he played. And um, it was just beautiful. And it was off the back of asking him the same question that I ask every single person um, in every production we do. And the question is, what does hope mean to you? And Every time I ask that question, I just feel the presence of God just fall upon us, fall upon the set and just the most beautiful things happen. And, and even sometimes people don't know how to answer it. They, they don't know how to answer it, but they'll come to me afterwards and nine times out of 10, they'll want to continue the conversation. And, um, and you know, depending on the the mood and the, and the vibe, I can share my heart for God. Um, and I always read to see how far I can go and, and how far I should go. Cause you never want to Bible bash anybody. Um, that's only going to push people away, but, but yeah, God just opens these doors where people want to know the answers to where hope comes from. And in my faith and your faith, we believe it comes from God and Jesus. And, um, yeah, God just continually shows up for us and and through that question and and um, through meeting people on sets. And, yeah, I could give you so many miracle stories. Um, mm. Another woman, I'll, I'll give you one very quick one because I don't want to take up too much of your time, Please. but another woman no, off, the, off the back of that question, what does hope mean to you? Yeah. Um, 
she'd been running for about three or two and a half years after the Black Summer bushfire crisis. And she was a huge leader in her community and hadn't really had time to grieve and process and everything. And I asked her that question and she was a believer actually, and uh, she couldn't answer it. And two nights later, she rocked up at our camp up the mountain and, and she wanted, she wanted to talk and she stayed there for about eight hours. And we talked through the night. I think I was up until mm. 5 a.m. or something and had to shoot at seven. <laughs> but but we were talking all night and she experienced the most incredible breakthrough. We prayed and laughed and cried and it was just incredible. Um and she'd driven, you know, I don't know how many hours to come and find me and my crew up in, in this mountain. And and her life from then until now has she's just had breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough and she's just doing extraordinary things um for God now. And you know I've, I could write a book on on the things that God has done over the last five years through, through Please do. Um, yeah, <laughs> through the productions. But mm. and I only share I only share to say that God is so real and He is so mm. tangible. And when you seek Him with all of your heart and you put His kingdom first, He just explodes in your life and just does the most extraordinary things. And life is so exciting. <laughs> It's, I can't go back. I just can't go back. Wow. And I, I imagine so many storytellers out there do it without the the prophetic voice of God in their lives. But really throughout history, God has used story to unlock people. Mm. And, and what you're describing there, Danielle, is the power of story that every story, every human story has a signature of God on it because we're made in his image. But mm. then it's the instrument he uses to unlock people out of their broken place or their dry place or their bitter place. Yeah. And, oh, man, it's so amazing. Oof. And I yeah. just see this happening so much more, you know, in the season that we're in right now where God is just releasing all these fires all over the earth. And I, I, I feel like God's eye is on the film industry right now saying, Get ready for the stories that are going to unlock the most lost, the most broken, the most hurting, yeah. um, and for everyone to see, for everyone to taste yes. and see. And oh my gosh, that person's story is my story. And yes, if God, God can change them. He can change me. Absolutely. And and you know what? Probably one thing that I do want to share is um, often it's not even about the end product. It, it, it's the journey in getting from the paper to the screen that I've seen the most miracles in um, where, where somebody has shared their story and you've spoken to them for 45 minutes and they've been uninterrupted in their storytelling and their story about themselves and their experience. And you've given them permission to say it without being interrupted or somebody else's story being interwoven because that's what happens in, in communities, especially in, you know, disaster recovery spaces and things like that or any any injustice. Um, and they're, they're given this space where they can share and, and God comes into that and, and validates their experience and validates them as a human being and says, you are important. And, um, and so I think if there is anybody listening that, one of my tips would be don't underestimate and don't cut. We're not filming. We don't shoot on film anymore. It's, you know, I know like mm. budgets come into, into play and time, there are time schedules and things, but don't be so worried about getting to the next shot or getting to the next set. If it's important for this person to share their story, and yes, you have to respect everyone's time, 
But if it's really, really important, allow these people to share their stories and God, God will do incredible things that the screen will never see. And we may never see, but but we know in the hearts of these people that something's taking place. Wow. Can I just jump into what you've said there? Because there's like, I hate to use the word formula, but mm. there is kind of like a standard expectation that we're going to give space for people, not just to tell their story, but to tell their story effectively to the point where the audience are going to have a heart to heart connection with the person who's telling the story. Now, in order to get to that place, what, what have you set up in place to really make sure that that happens? Because it comes through all your productions. You're just feeling your heart to heart, spirit to spirit the whole time. Mm. Do you have like, for example, have you got like people who are interceding for you and for your production company that are committed to praying for you um, for, for like those moments to take place for God to really unlock people? Um, is, is there a strategy that you have in prayer um, before you go out to a production um, yeah, could you just tell us some of what goes through your mind when you're prepping for that kind of thing? Yeah, um, I think I had thought about this question prior to the interview and, and a couple of words came to mind and obedience was one of them. Um, and, and for me, I used to be a bit of a cheeky monkey. <laughs> I was a bit of a naughty wild child um, at, at certain points in my life, Pro probably just very late teens through till about 22 until I met Jesus. I was a bit, you know, I just, I was naughty. Um, and, and obedience has been a huge, um, a huge path for me and something that I hold so hold on to so strong. And when I say obedience, I, I mean, I pray and seek him until I know what I believe he is saying. And then I will stick to it like glue. Um, mm. And because when I do what I know he's calling me to do, no matter what the outcome is, there is just this deep-rooted peace in me that drives. It's a peace that drives me forward and I know that I'm on the right path and I know that whatever happens to me um, doesn't matter because, because the outcome of what this is going to be is what God wants. And so it's kind of a fearlessness that comes with obedience. Um and I, I think as a child, I think I've always been quite fearless, um, uh, maybe growing up on a farm or having a dad that really showed me a lot of tough love. I, I just was fearless. But I also struggled struggled with fear, which is uncanny because they're, they're complete opposites. Um, but obedience and, and hearing his voice and seeking his voice and knowing exactly what he's called me to do is probably one of the biggest keys. And it it um, allows me to be fearless in the creative process and know exactly what I'm doing um, and where I'm going and understanding my why before I step into it. Um, prayer is, is huge. Prayer probably gets me to that place. And then the third one was accountability. And that's having people, like you say, covering us, checking us, making sure that our ego is constantly in check because in this industry, it, it's everywhere. Um and we, everybody has an ego and everybody has pride and, and we really care about the craft. We, we love the craft. It's a beautiful thing that we do, but making sure that we're having that accountability that, 
allows us to um, remember it's not about us and it's about God and what he wants to do in the hearts of people and in through these productions. So, um, yeah, so probably the three words that that I, I would put out there are obedience, prayer and accountability, um, which probably don't sound like uh, a format or a formula, but that's that's what I do in the lead up to any production. And I always make sure um, that I'm stepping into a space that he's calling me to because I've made really bad mistakes and poor judgment judgments in the past where I've stepped into spaces or I've worked with people or I've brought people on or, um, and I've stepped outside of where he wants me. Um, and, and I've been burnt in, in that process. And I've probably hurt people in that process as well. Um, unknowingly, um, and unintentionally, but I think it's a very, you know, talking about the supernatural side of things, it's a very dangerous place to be in the in the film um industry place to be in and there's some really really dark stuff that I've been through in in the industry so you've got to be really careful yeah yeah and it's that kind of yeah what I was mentioning before is it's easy to park the camper at the charm of the beauty and it's so easy to to just park it there and think this is this is the highest goal is to produce the most outstanding the most um edgy the most shocking the most yes um and that becomes the idol in and of itself um which is kind of like an idolatry of of um all the wrong things instead of story instead of being storytellers and um which is uh, which is why i love so much how you're emphasizing this and which is really the redemption process of we're coming back to eden in the in the filmmaking space Mm, of of tending to what God has designed it for. And you guys are, you guys are displaying that. Um, it's amazing. So let's, let's quickly jump, jump into, so you've talked a little bit about, um, obedience, transparent, uh, accountability and, um, and prayer, prayer. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the, like the natural disciplines and habits that have kind of helped shape, um, your craft because, what you've just said in those spiritual disciplines is going to speak volumes to any artist if they want to have longevity in their mm. mission and stay true to their mission. Um, what have you done in terms of habits and things over the years that have just really um, sharpened your the toolkit of of your craft? Um, I think make, uh, building up a really strong team is so important, making sure that you're around people that are on mission for the same reasons. And they don't have to be Christian. They, they just have to be really, really decent humans that are on, on. board for the same that ha- for the same reason and that have carried the same heart and have the same vision. Um, uh, and people that carry the spirit of excellence, I think, is really important to me. Um especially as a Christian filmmaker, we, we want to cut through. We, we want to, um, we want the secular arena to, to, um, eat up what we're putting out there. So, so that that spirit, um, of love and like you say, reconciliation can reach the hearts of audiences. And in order to do that, we need to have that spirit of excellence. So making sure that we're really thorough with what we put out and taking the time, you know, often I'll spend, double the amount of time I have budget for on something because um, I just can't let it go out the door if I don't feel it has 
what I'm sensing God wants it to have. Um, so, so, you know, having a great team, making sure that that spirit of excellence is there, really honoring each other and supporting each other, knowing when to push and when to pull back is really important. Um, so we don't burn out because burnout is very real in our industry. Um, and you know, some of the creative, um, disciplines, I guess I love mood boards. <laughs> I love my mood cool. boards. Um, I love color palettes. I often will just go out into nature. I think you'll probably notice a lot of our productions are, are quite, um, like the juxtaposition of images next to each other off the color palette is very specific um and so um you know staying true to god's creation is really important to us so reflecting his his um glory through every shot and making sure that every shot is really specific and really um it's thought out but also because we're in the documentary space looking for those little pieces in the edits that weren't intentional because they're organic Mm. Um, and finding, you know, maybe the cameraman's accidentally left the camera on and he spun the camera this way and it's caught a lens flare and then gone into the darkness or something. Just little, little moments, little moments like like that, that you would, I think they're little miracles, you know, you, you wouldn't write those, but they're just the little moments that God can use. And he could speak, um, speak through that, that moment. So, um, yeah, I hope I've answered that question of, of, of yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's um, awesome. What about the tips. writing space? Could we talk a little bit about what's, you know, because the filmmaking space is so, it hinges on good writing. Um, yeah. And and obviously the documentary is, is you can't script at all, but you can, yeah. you can steer some of the beats, I suppose. I, I'm not sure. What does that look yeah. like from your, from your standpoint in terms of the writing space? Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I always go in knowing exactly what I feel I want to get out of it, but leaving plenty of room for the person's organic story to be heard and shared. And then the writing, I love the writing experience, um, although at times it can be grueling because it's often myself alone or myself with um, my senior editor or one of my junior editors, and we are sitting there watching the rushes over and over and over again. And when you've got a production like Beyond the Fire that's touching upon things like mental health and suicide and bushfire recovery and disaster recovery and resilience, that's some pretty heavy content to watch 50 times over. So it's um it at times can be really challenging, but it can also be really beautiful. Um, and so we'll sit there and watch it over and over again. We get everything transcribed and then we literally sit there and start to ever so slightly and slowly uh, weave together voices. And, and you'll you'll notice in our productions, we will share um, one story often through mo- multiple voices and they're kind of pieced together, um, which, you know, every doc- documentarian does. But I don't know, I think we've, we've come up with a bit of a formula that really works for us and, and it's, um, God really comes in into into play with that, and and often many of the people are saying very similar things, but in their own unique way. And so to be able to tell the one story through all of these voices, um, and highlight and 
give space to different people's uniqueness and identity is really, really powerful. And it's just, I just see that weaving um, in the spirit right now. I just see the weaving of, you know, um, where the scripture, it talks about where all our, our identity and everything's woven together whilst we're in our mother's womb. And, and I feel like he, he pulls out some extraordinary things in people and we're able to kind of, you know, be a part of, of sharing that collective story in the writing process. It's really powerful. That's amazing. And in the documentary space, because you're constantly exposed to the authentic, to the true stories, to the things that are unfolding before your very eyes or straight from the straight from the person's mouth who's experienced that true story, um, has some of that inspired within you, um, you know, the retail, like scripted retails of dramatic you know, reenactments, you know, that could become a TV series where we authentically tell that story through like, is any of that space kind of an area you explore as well, or is that more not? Um, uh, well, we, we haven't, I I have thought about it many times. Um, but with, for instance, just using beyond the fire as an example, um, I don't think I could ever step out of the documentary space and share this story um, in a in a, a drama or a, a film about it because I I wouldn't I wouldn't want to sensationalize um, it and I know that there's people out there that have that gift to be able to do that in a really really authentic way and I just wouldn't feel comfortable doing that because I don't think that's my gift um, I think I'm just drawn to the absolute truth like the core of the truth, like I, I, to fabricate something or to add on to something, it doesn't entice me the way that the truth does. Um, but I know that there are people out there that can do that in a really beautiful way. Um, and so kudos to them and yeah, <laughs> I'll be praying yeah. for them. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that. And I love that that's, that's your yes, you know, that space of, of telling the story straight, straight off the bat like that and holding to the truth so fiercely is such a that's your yes and that's just uh, and that's we're in a season where god is calling us to know what our yes is and what our no is yes Um, yeah because there's so much competing for us to go yes no maybe and and we just get so distracted and we fall out of alignment with our assignment um yes yeah and we burn out yeah (laughs) yeah we do and i think because i'm a mother with four kids i don't have time to burn out and i don't have time to do something that God's not calling me to, because that means sacrifice and time away from my babies that isn't for God. And so I just, I think I've gotten probably over the last three years, gotten really uh, precise with knowing exactly what he's calling me to do and what to do with my time on this planet. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. And that's something we, we can all um, aspire towards. And speaking of aspiring, um, I want to talk briefly to the aspiring directors and writers and producers that are listening. Uh, what would be your word of advice, your prophetic encouragement to them? Um, many of them would be in different spaces. Some are just really intimidated by the call of God to enter into that industry and start producing their own content. Um, whilst others are probably missing, they've got gaps, whether it's in their craft, in their character. Um, what would be your word of encouragement to them? Um, 
Well, I think as as a recovered people pleaser, <laughs> I would say don't worry about man man's opinions of you. Don't worry. You know, I think often if we feel called to do doing something, one of the greatest hindrances is, oh, my gosh, what are people going to think or what are people going to say? Um, I think just know that if that's what God's calling you to do and if you're aspiring to do it, just just step out in faith and just know that God will back you because um, if you don't, and this is a bit of tough love, I guess, um, you know, you, you never know how many souls are attached to your calling. And, and that's probably one of the greatest um, motivators for me is, is that if I don't rise up to the call upon my life, nobody else can, you know, there's, there's many film directors out there, but nobody's going to direct a film the way Elliot does. You know what I mean? There's, there's many singers out there, but they're not going to sing or write songs the way my husband does. Their documentarians won't share the way I do. Um, And it doesn't mean anybody's, you know, um, far more spectacular than the, the, than the next. And, and yes, there are people, we should never, we should never compare ourselves to others and we should never compete with others. Um, some people are called to, to be absolutely extraordinary at their craft and others are called to do really amazing things that, and they, maybe they will never make it, you know, to Hollywood. I'm, I may never stand on, on LA's turf. Um, and I'm okay with that, but as long as I'm doing, what God has called me to do. Um, I feel like there's a peace that comes with that. So if there is a director out there, that's just feeling that tug, just do it because you have no clue um, whose heart might be changed through your work and whose soul might be saved through, um, through your craft and, um, and souls are precious. It's the most precious thing. You know, God called us, the, the, the greatest commandment is to go and make disciples of all nations. And um, we have the, potential to do that through our creation you know you can't you can't separate creation from the creator so you know if he's backing us then just go for it come on that's a great encouragement to be all in i think um in christianity especially in the arts we're not encouraged to play all in we're encouraged to play small um to be content and don't go over the top you know be hidden don't be outstanding. And oh. I think it's so important for us to rise above those mindsets that come from religion and mm. and step into what you're saying, being all in on the call of God, all in about what I'm called to do. Cause I know that there's something attached to it. That's more bigger than who I am. Bigger one, bigger what I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And oh my gosh, I have times where I just crumble under the pressure of what are people going to think? And, and, oh my gosh, what if this is a complete flop? And what if people think that I'm a tryhard or, um, you know, I'm trying to put myself out there. Like even coming on a podcast, I just before every, any time I've done so many of them. And every time I'm like, oh, people are just going to think that you're talking about yourself or people are, you know, all of those self-sabotage thoughts come in and, and I'm like, no, you just go away, you little devil, because you don't belong yep. here. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm going to speak because God gave me a mouth. <laughs> and and people need to hear that they are awesome and there's a call upon their life. And if they don't fulfill Preach. it, no one else will. Um, and and we're so authentic and so unique and nobody has our thumbprint. It's one of my favorite sayings. Like at every school we go into, I get every student to hold up their thumb 
and say, have a look at your thumb. No one has your thumbprint. You're, you're created uniquely and authentically and nobody can do what you do the way you do it. And so we just have to have that courage um, mm. and that fiercelessness that only comes with knowing that we're backed by the creator of the world. I mean, come on. <laughs> the creator of the entire world is saying, Elliot, you're a champion. <laughs> I know. It's just wild. And it's so it's so beyond our ability to comprehend. I remember I was in a back room mixing video channels for a conference, a Christian conference, and the and the speaker at the time was telling a story about his mentor. And his mentor said to him, because he'd been struggling with false humility, is I'm just, I just want to serve and I just want to humble myself. And mm. and his mentor said to him one day, um, David, will you please acknowledge who you are? <laughs> and he, and he was like, "What? What do you mean?" He says, "You're a prophet, and you're not willing to acknowledge it." Wow! And, and as long as you stop acknowledging it, and you're not acknowledging it, someone else is going to stand up in that pulpit that's not called and anointed by God, and take the place that you're called to occupy. Yeah! Wow! <laughs> As soon as I heard him tell that story, I broke down because what you're talking about, the people pleasing thing, I was burnt out at that time on that, having been like full-time ministry, burnt out by church split, all of this stuff had gone down and the heart of God just went, I need you to acknowledge who I've created you to be. Amen. Um, Because if you don't, it's going to cost other people, not just you. And so what you just said there is just beautiful. And I just really appreciate that. Um, Amen. I think we all need to rise up uh, beyond our old false perception of what humility is and really step into the godly humility where we say, this is who I am because of who Jesus is. And yeah. yeah. Was there any further, uh, any further thoughts you wanted to add to that for the Daniels and the Josephs and the Debras and the Esthers? And because yeah, there's so many people who are like those, uh, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's mm. that um, God's putting in Babylon. He's putting them in places of strategic position yeah. to, to serve, but not bend the knee to false idols and yeah. stay true to the Lord. Yeah. I think um, what comes to mind is just quietening your heart and quietening your mind and getting to that place at the foot of the cross where we really, really grab onto the fact that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Jesus, you know, if we really follow Jesus and we've really accepted him as our Lord and Savior and asked him to come and live in us, he is in us. So everything he is, is in us. So everything he is, I am. And if, if I get to that place where I can silence every single voice in my head that's telling me the opposite and really believe that and really catch on to that notion and that belief and that knowing that I am who God says I am and I have everything that Jesus has, then to operate out of that place on a daily in what we create, well, then heck yeah, you will be standing on the stage in Hollywood, you know what I mean. You'll be standing on the on on in the Melbourne Museum or or whatever whatever space you've been called to be. God will take you there, um, because you've got the power of the Creator of the world inside you. And 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 I think, my gosh, if if I could do that, if you could do that, if we could all collectively, as the church, as the bride, come together and really, really, like just grip onto that consistently for long enough at the same time, imagine what would happen. 
Mm. And it's, yeah, it's, oof, gets me teary. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what yeah. it looks like when the kingdom comes and his will's being done. Yeah. Um, we're uncluttered yeah. by all the, all the baggage. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, imagine the healing that would take place in people's hearts mm. through the art that you'd see on walls and, you know, people would just walk past the painting and go, wow, that just makes me feel so good. And they won't even know, they won't even know what's happening, but the spirit of God will just unleash upon them. You know, mm. all of our children watching these TV shows, imagine if they were just filled with God's presence and it was just permeating out of the television out of the radio, yeah. in the car, on the way to school, the youth would be changed. It's like, yeah, we have got power to change the world for good, yeah. not for self, but for good and for God and for others. And um, yes. we've got to pick up that mantle because there's few and few, you know, of us. We, we, we have, we've, you know, what's that scripture? There's, there's so much to do the harvest the harvest is plenty but the workers are few and um mm. there's so much to do we we really do have to pick up our sword and fight for good and for god yeah and what i love about what you've said there danielle is you've come you've arrived not arrived in the ultimate sense but you've arrived at a place of clarity around your assignment um that i i believe many creatives we're still trying to dip our hands in everything and, oh, maybe this is it, maybe that's it. And what what was the point for you where you arrived at that clarity and you at least started to go, hang on, this is a stream, this is a lane that I feel like I'm really, um, really called to. I'm seeing the fruits on the tree. It's connected to my root system. I'm feeling like the the, the skill set, the gifting, the passion, it's all there. Um, what, was there a point where you could pinpoint that clarity showing up or was, is it more gradual or? Yeah, I, I think, like it was there. Um, yeah, no, it, it was definitely a journey. I, I think there's a couple of, um, moments I can pinpoint just now, but I mean, it might be something that the answer might change after contemplating it for a while. But I, I remember lying in bed very, very unwell for about six weeks. Um, I'd been at working at the studio that I was at um, for eight and a half years and I was so burnt out. Like my body, half my face was numb um, and my body was doing some weird things. My nervous system was just shutting down and the doctors couldn't work out what it was. But it was, I know now that it was stress. Um, and I remember lying there just thinking, there's got to be more. There's got to be more than this God. And he and he showed me as clear as day that he'd asked me three times to leave and step out in faith and to do my own company. And I'd tried once and I'd gone back um, out of fear, you know, that safety net of having a wage and somebody pay your wage and support your family. Um, so that was probably one point where I just knew God was, I heard God's voice saying, let's go. I've got something more. And I just knew, but it, it took me falling very, very sick and lying there. <laughs> so that was, that was one point. Um, probably one of the most pivotal moments in my life was when my mum passed away from cancer four years ago. Um, the same day she, that she passed away was the same day that channel 10 called me to say that they would like to pick up behind the sash, which is the 10 mark, uh, 10 part documentary series, um, shining a light of issues of injustice and highlighting women combating those injustices. Um, wow. and so that, that moment, 
I, I still to this day don't know why those two pivotal moments happened on the exact same day in my life, but I know that there was some type of, I don't know, I don't want to call it a transaction, but something took place that was supernatural and um, and it was so powerful or equally powerful and excruciating at the same time. Um, but but I there was something that rose up in me on that day that I knew that I was not going to let my mother die in vain, that, that, that this was going to be something that, um, I was going to use this pain and, and, um, all of this grief that I had, I was going to use it for good. And, and, mm. and I just, yeah, something was birthed in me, I think that day. And from then on, um, beyond the fire, probably, which was the next major production we did probably really, um, solidated that, that calling, like I knew, yeah, this is, this is my lane. This is where I know I fit and where I feel comfortable and where I shine and where, you know, no other person's opinion of me matters because <laughs> I don't mm. care because I know that this is what I'm called to do. Um, that was a really life-changing experience. So um, yeah, probably those would be the two points that I could, I could pinpoint now. My answer may change. <laughs> Haven't yeah, been asked that no, question that's... before. Yeah, and I I did pull that one out of left field. Um, that's okay. It's good. That re that really articulates the those those life changing moments that God, you know, he's he's there for it. Like he's he's in those moments, and he mm. and he really speaks very significant things into our deepest moments of sorrow. And I don't know if it's you know my my friend and mentor says you know wherever the water runs, it always goes to the lowest place. Wow. You know, and 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 it's same with the Holy Spirit. And that's usually in those moments, he'll always, he'll always run to the lowest place with us and for us um, to ignite something that's been buried or something that needs to reemerge. And, and yeah, I really appreciate hearing that because I know that's going to speak to so many people who are in a process right now of sorrow or loss and wondering, Hey, is, is any of this worth it? You know, and I just want to prophesy to people's hearts right now who are listening um, his love is going to flow to the lowest place amen, and raise you up um, to the degree where you, you can't say anything, but God lifted me out mm. of, out of the lowest place of my life. So yeah, what I was going to say off the back of what you just said, um, our, <clears throat> our company slogan and something that we've um, probably built, it, it's part of the foundation of our company is where passion meets pain, we find purpose. Wow. So that's our company slogan. And, and you know, I'll send you a T-shirt. You'll have to send me a dress. I'll send you a T-shirt. But we wear that on our T-shirts. Um, and it, it really is our mission is to, is to show people that wherever your um, pain collides with your passion, you'll find incredible purpose. And, and I think for many of us, um, our pain is a good indication of where we're called to. Um, it's it's not always, you know, the exact thing, but I think there's something in that. Um, so where passion meets pain, you find purpose. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, man, that's so powerful. What a powerful thing to live by and to build a storytelling um, vehicle around because, yeah, we we relate to each other. We relate to characters in movies based on their passion and their pain. Um, yeah. And Jesus 
uh, was made like us in every way, in all passion and pain. And oh, he continues to share our passion and our pain. Yeah. Oh, man, that's so good. Well, Danielle, would you pray an impartation um, of what God's instilled in you to this army of artists that are rising in this hour to take their God-ordained place Um yeah, to make his presence number one, but also not deny the place God's calling them to occupy. That'd be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this beautiful time with Elliot. I thank you for every listener, Father God. I thank you for the power that you've bestowed on them. I thank you for your son, Jesus, dying on the cross for us. And I thank you that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. I just pray, Father God, that every single person that is listening today just grabs that sense that they are worthy because he is worthy. I pray, Father God, that they understand that they are unique, that they are authentic, that they are powerful and that they can do whatever it is that that God's called them to do because he's placed it in their heart, Father God. And I just pray, I pray for your spirit to just breathe upon them now, Father God. I just pray, Lord, I just see like this lion, it's like a lion's head just rising up. And I just really believe that whoever's listening, that there's going to be something that's going to take place in your heart. It's going to click like I see it's like a cog twisting and turning. And I feel like there's going to be something in people that's going to click over and there's going to be this lion or a lioness just rise up in people. And they're going to have the courage and the power and the mercy and the grace to step out into their calling. And I just decree and declare that they will smell new smells. They will paint new, new colors. They will, they will sense mm. something. The freight, the fragrance of Christ will be so powerful and it will be permeating out of their creativity, Father God. And I just thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father God, that they're going to write new songs. The new ideas are going to uh-huh. flow like yes, the living God. waters are going to flow out of our Jeez. listeners' hearts onto paper, onto film sets, onto canvases, into microphones, wherever they are, radio hosts. I just feel like the radio hosts are going to have this incredible um, victory, like like morning breakfast hosts. I just sense yeah. like there's going to be this joy and this laughter that's just going to just come out and viewers are going to be like, oh, my gosh, what do these people carry? And I just pray, Father God, I pray, Lord, that people understand that the time is now, Lord, and and to not be fearful, not to be scared of of what man's going to think, but to really grasp what God's calling them to do, and to step out in this incredible courage. I just I just see that lion. It's like he's giving people courage to really step out in the calling upon their life. And I just thank you, Lord, that there's like this yellow brick road where people are just going to be like, whoa, what 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 is this? What is this road that I'm on? And and I just see people skipping and laughing, and there's going to be this joy of artists that listen to this and, and they're just going to know that, oh my gosh, I am right where I'm meant to be and God is backing me all the way and it's just going to lead to, um, I just see like the fragrance, like I see I see a huge field of, of the most extraordinary colours of, of flowers and, and I just sense that there's going to be new visions and, and new dreams that are going to come and I just thank you, Father God, that 
yeah, even new taste. It's like, I, I just sense that people are going to, it seems weird, but people are going to even taste things differently and smell things differently. There's going to be this, this fragrance and this creativity that's going to bloom and burst yes. in people's lives. And I just thank you, Lord, that, that when people are on the receiving end of that, they're going to experience a freedom that they've never experienced before. That shackles are going to fall off, that mental health is going to just fade away, that people's poor mental health will fade away and, and, and they'll start to flourish and understand that they have hope and that they have purpose and that they are love and fiercely loved, not just the world's love, but there is a fierce love that is theirs and it's tangible. And I feel that people, as they use their creativity to prophesy at, over people, that people are going to, I just see shackles breaking. In Jesus' name, I thank wow. you, Father God. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Wow, Holy Spirit is so here. Um, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. You've been listening to Danielle McAlpine Johnson from Cheeky Mac Productions. Um, Danielle, how can people stay in touch with you? How can they get a hold of you or just follow what's happening in your world? Um, they can um, jump onto our website, which is cheekymac.com. Or um, my handles on Instagram and Facebook are Danielle McAlpine Johnson. Awesome. That's so and I love well, connecting with other with other Christian artists. So please connect. That'd be awesome. Guys, so go check out uh, Danielle's stuff and keep shining bright and going after God's heart for the arts industry. We'll see you next time on Art Dance. Thank you so much, Elliot. God bless you. You're amazing. Thanks for being on Danielle.